0: Hey, this is Mr. Anderson. Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Peak Podcast. Let's see, what else? I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man, Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back
1: and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the new world order, NWO, and the secrets of WCW Nitro. New two out of three falls here on the Cruise Control Podcast, Friday, July 6th, 2018. I'm joined by Mr. Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. Graham, my man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. Happy to be back here on the show. Not a ton to talk about here today,
0: but always a great time to be here on the show nonetheless.
1: And uh was by his absence for the second week in a row. Uh, we are usually joined by Mark Raimondi from MMAfighting.com, but he's in Vegas right now covering something for the, for the UFC, probably 226 or uh, the Hall of Fame thing they had last night for uh, Ronda Rousey. So, uh, Mark is a very big, uh, busy man right now. So hopefully he'll be back next week. But me and Graham back at the, back at it like the old days, man.
0: It looks like it. It seems like. I don't want this, might be a bad comparison, but Mark might be the Jonathan Coachman of the team. Jonathan Coachman is not a great commentator, so I don't want to make that comparison. But how Jonathan Coachman is always out on assignment doing stuff for ESPN, mm. it seems like what uh, Mark is doing nowadays with his MMA and UFC stuff, which is great. But I don't want to make that comparison again because Jonathan Coachman is really not that good, and Mark deserves much better than that. But I did want to throw that out there, though.
1: You know what's so funny? Uh, you mentioned Coachman. I know we're going way off. Track, but I, you know I do see a lot of people say that they they feel the same way. You just said, "Oh, coach is not; it's not great on commentary. He's not that great, not that good." Um, I, I I just want to know real quick why do many people feel like that? Because you know, to play advocate here, I feel like a lot of fans uh, tend to favor the Corey Graves of the world more than. Coachman and, and I feel like Coach does does a, a pretty good job. Most people would say he's better than Booker T. I like both, you know. It doesn't matter to me, but just wonder why they fans favor Corey Graves, uh, definitely not Michael Cole, but they favor Corey Graves more than Coachman when when, when I think Coachman does a, a pretty good job. It's funny you say that because I'm kind of in the same
0: boat. I was wondering recently why people don't like Coachman that much. I mean, he makes a lot of mistakes. He'll say things that either don't make sense or just not correct. Um, I mean, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like that happens to almost all the commentators on a consistent basis. Corey Graves is just very well-spoken. He's funny. He does a good job of being a heel commentator without being obnoxious. Corey Graves is hands down my favorite commentator between any anyone on Raw or SmackDown currently, um, aside from Mauro Ranallo, but he's on NXT, and Nigel McGuinness, but he's not on Raw or SmackDown either. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat where people are calling him. I think it might have been Brian Alvarez of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter with, uh, with uh, Dave Meltzer. He was talking about how... Jonathan Coachman might be the worst commentator of all time. And I'm like, dude, that's going a little too far there. I don't think he's that bad. There's a lot of people who think Coachman is the drizzling shits. I don't think he's that terrible at all. I think he might not. Like I said, he's not great, but he's by no means terrible. I'm one of the people who finds him to be better than Booker T. I never really cared for Booker T. He never really seemed like a good fit for commentary. Uh, Coachman had been doing it briefly before he left WWE the first time 10 years ago. So he has experience with it, and it's a different time too because now they're forced to memorize like Twitter handles and all this stuff coming up on the network, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Again, I think it's going to take more time. He's been a part of Raw Commentary now for six months, so how much more time will he need to really get good, to get better? Um, but I am among the you know minority, I guess, along with you, Randy, that agrees that Coachman is not that bad. I don't think he's great, like I said earlier, But I don't think he's by anywhere near the worst commentator that WWE has ever had in the same vein as Mike Adamley or Booker T was by no means terrible. I just did not think he was really that good at all. Um, There was a lot worse commentators than John and the Coachman, in my opinion.
1: Well, you know, Mike Adamley did call Jeff Hardy Jeff Harvey. So I maybe mean, we we're going a little bit <laughs> <laughs> too much with we calling Coachman the world. It was worst, all but, downhill
0: from there. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was it was just all downhill for Mike Adamly and WWE from there. Right. And,
1: you know, plus I come from the era, you know, where Coaching had the first in with the company back in 03, 04, 05, and, you know, did great work with ESPN. And, and, and it's very hard to say someone who anchored at ESPN is a bad commentator. So, again, it could be the whole thing, the fans. They, they love the whole NXT guys, and they just favored their guys more than the, the real professional people. But um, I, I just wanted to bring it up because you, you're not the only person I, I've seen or heard say that. So I, I just wanted to know why. But I think Coachman does a great job, you know, whether you like it or not. Definitely not the worst. As you mentioned, Mike Lee, and, and there are far other worse people out there. But um, you know, I, I think people should, should, should just lay off coach for a little bit. But um, speaking mm. of, speaking of Raw, uh, Raw and SmackDown, we had the, the Fourth of July week uh, week com- uh, pa- uh, holiday early in the week. So um, trying to remember what exa- exactly happened on Raw, or trying to see what big time happened on Raw. I know. The Sasha Bailey storyline has been out there and now they got the whole therapy thing and Bailey had like a mini kind of heelish turn the week before. Now they're trying to get back together as friends. And it's, I, I thought it was, I think for, for the most part, it may not have executed properly, but at least I give them the benefit of the doubt to try to do something different, but this is this has been a storyline, Graham. That me, you, me, you, and Mark have, have spoken about quite some time. Where one had to be healed, one as a, a, a as a, a as a baby, and they just are slow to pull the trigger. And why I have no idea. Maybe they felt Bailey is too much of a good person to be a a bad guy, or Sasha. Sasha should be the heel in this, but she's not. Um, but when you're watching the whole therapy thing take place on raw you're at home watching this does it kind of remind you of what they tried to do with with, with, uh, Daniel Bryan and Kane years ago and did it did it portray itself properly on TV
0: well first of all I'm very happy that dr. Shelby is back I thought he was a great part a great asset in that whole team hell no angle years ago Um, that was really why team hell no took off was because of dr. Shelby's segments back in late 2012 on raw I thought he was the wrong fit here. Again, it, it it brought me great joy to see him back on Raw this week, but it, the whole Team Hell No stuff was all comedy. It was all comedy. They were going for something completely different than what I would hope they'd be going for with Sasha Banks and Bayley. Um, this should not be comedy. Coming off that great angle last week where Bayley just beat the living shit out of Sasha Banks, right. they should not be sitting down doing counseling. I was hoping that it would be – some sort of a swerve, and Bailey would attack Banks before they even got to that point. But I couldn't tell you one thing that was solved or even even happened in these segments. I just honestly tuned out during these segments on Raw this week because they really served no purpose, and they did nothing to further along the feed between Banks and Bailey. We've had the same thing for months now. And like you said, Randy, we've been waiting with bated breath for a while to find out who would be the one to go heel. I would hope it'd be Sasha. I know Sasha is like the more... She gets better reactions than Bailey right. um, with the kids. I understand that. Maybe just because she's better booked than Bailey is. Um, I do think Banks is more of a natural heel. But a change in character for Bailey, as we discussed last week, is not the worst thing. But she didn't come across like a true heel here. It just seemed like they were just two friends fighting, and neither character neither character at the moment is really all that likable. So I'm not really sure where they're going with it, which is which can be said for the entire feud dating back to like April, I guess. Um, And at this point, it's very hard to care about where they're going with this program because otherwise, why not just pull the trigger by this point? And if you are going to – if you really want to create interest in this program, then why not do something like what we saw last week on a weekly basis? I mean you can't do that every single week, but come on, counseling sessions, tag team matches. It's the same shit we've been seeing for months now, and a lot of it is just – Not that interesting at all. So again, I don't know where they're going with this. What they did on Monday did nothing to intrigue me in the slightest. But uh, both Banks and Bailey are too good to be wasted in a feud that no one cares about.
1: I think for me, honestly, that I think they had the the part where Bailey attacks Sasha and 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 the, the whole therapy thing. They had it backwards. For me, you would have the therapy session happen. We, uh, exactly. a few weeks ago or, or a few months ago then mm-hmm. Bailey attacking Sasha or vice versa don't have me attack you and then like a week later hey let, let, let's sit down and talk about it I think I like the idea I feel like they did it they, they did it backwards now for the for the for the segment I mean you can kind of tell <laughs> Bailey and Sasha wanted to to laugh and smirk here and there when they were making fun of each other and uh, I thought it was a pretty decent segment um Again, it, it, it's part of a storyline. They're doing something different as opposed to, you know, they tagging and then, you know, one doesn't tag the other and they walk away or, or, or by mistake, they hit each other. Like, that's that's the typical shit you see every week. But them trying this, trying to recreate what they did with, with Daniel Bryan and Kane from years ago. I like the effort. Could it have been better? Of course, absolutely. But I don't... I don't fault them for trying trying to do something different to try to make this angle or make this storyline, uh, you know, really get bigger than than what it should be.
0: Yeah, again, I just it's really just hard to care, and I agree that the booking of the whole feud should have been backwards. That's really the whole that's that's basically this company in a nutshell, booking things ass backwards where you would think it'd go one way, but they do the reverse and. Mm-hmm. Again, it's the same thing with Roman Reigns in a nutshell. I'm not going to go into a whole tirade about that, but with Reigns, they should be turning him heel first and then doing what they're doing right now, but they intend to go backwards in a lot of ways. But um Bailey and Banks is no different. And it really just, it really just amazes me. They should go without saying, but it really just amazes me that they take a feud that so many people... We're so excited to see in the main roster between Sasha Banks and Bayley after they had a great feud in NXT, arguably one of the greatest of all time back in 2015 over the NXT Women's Championship, having one of the greatest matches in NXT slash WWE history, and then just reducing it to complete and utter shit on Raw. I mean, they can take anything and really ruin it. I mean, that's WWE's forte in a nutshell. Um, I just, I don't I don't know how they managed to do that, but they have. And I'm sure their eventual match, whenever it might take place, will be good. But maybe it's SummerSlam, when they have that blockbuster card, they already have nine matches on tap for fucking Extreme Rules. And Extreme Rules would be a good place to have their first match because they can give them a no-disqualification stipulation or something along those lines. Um, I don't think they will at this point. They have enough matches as it is. But again, with Banks and Bailey, I'm just ready to move on. I don't know where they're going with this. I don't know who's going heel at this point. I honestly don't care. So let's hope we can just move on from this in the not so distant future.
1: I would assume that, you know, whatever they do from now until SummerSlam, I think Bailey and Sasha will get that match finally. At Barclays at SummerSlam in August, I, I I just don't think they'll do it at Extreme Rules. That's like that's like a a week and a half away. I think that'll be a waste. Uh, but then again, they hey they had that great match at uh at NXT in 2015. Um maybe they're trying to recreate that that magic they had. I don't see them fighting anytime before SummerSlam. So do you think the build or the end game? I would say for now would be Sasha Bailey. Uh, at, at at the Barclays at SummerSlam.
0: You know, that's not a bad... I mean, it, not that it's... It, it's a very good idea, but it's not a bad place to do it just because, like you said, they can attempt to recreate that magic from their first match back in 2015 at the Barclays Center. Um, the thing is, is that the feud at the time was great. Bailey had been built up as the ultimate underdog. She never before held the championship. Sasha Banks was, was this ruthless heel uh, for months on end as the reigning NXT Women's Champion for almost six months. And the match itself, the storytelling was great. The action was excellent. Everything about the match was just a pure masterpiece. Um, If you try to recreate that magic this time around, I mean, they can try. There's nothing stopping them from going out there and having a great match. It's just more so is the feud heated enough for people to really care, especially in Brooklyn where at this point I feel like they would boo Bailey, and they might even boo Banks at this point too or vice versa. It doesn't really matter. Um, I'm not sure, again, where they're going with this, but a match at SummerSlam would seem to make sense when they tend to have over, like, 15 matches on the card anyway. Because if they added it to Extreme Rules next Sunday, it would likely, very likely, end up on the kickoff show. And they deserve better than that. So, yeah, I would wait until SummerSlam, but even then, I think it's time to wrap this thing up because they've been teasing tension between these two for years. And it would be one thing if it was a nice, slow build, but the issue with this program is that There's really been no progression for weeks on end, and they're just doing stuff that no one gives a shit about, for the most part. Um, So again, I I would hope that a great match can salvage the feud, but I'm not, I'm not betting on it. Let's just say that much.
1: Do you think they kind of, uh, I wouldn't say scared, but a little afraid or hesitant to kind of make Bailey, you know, a heel as opposed to Sasha Banks at this point?
0: Um. I don't know if they're hesitant if only because they did what they did last week in having Bailey attack Sasha Banks. I think at this point, I mean no one really knows for sure, but my assumption would be that they've hit a point with Bailey where it's either you got to do something with her or it's a lost cause cuz she can't keep on doing what she's been doing. And I love Bailey as the ultimate underdog. She's a very natural babyface obviously dating back to her time in NXT. But they have just completely ruined the character from like the moment they called her up almost two years ago um, to the main roster where you can't just keep on doing the same thing as people have seen it. They're sick of it. They're ready for something new. So you either make her more intense as a baby face or you turn her heel because otherwise she's doomed to fail even more than she already has on the main roster. So Sasha – I think Sasha secretly wants to be a heel. I don't know if she has said as much in interviews because she's not going to flood. Flat- I mean, Randy Orton will go in interviews and say, I want to be a heel. I don't know if Sasha's at that point yet where she could just, you know, be fearless enough to say that in a public interview. But I'm pretty sure she would rather be a heel. It seems to be much more fun for her just because she's a much better heel than she is a baby face. Um, but like I said, in WWE's eyes, Sasha very likely sells more shirts. She very likely sells more merchandise with the glasses, the shirts. The rings and everything else, all of her merchandise, um, just because even as a babyface, she has been booked better than Bayley as a four-time four uh, as a former four-time Raw Women's Champion, mm-hmm. um, winning more often than not. Bayley just is made out to look like a loser, and Sasha Banks is just unlikable as a babyface. So neither one of them are really lighting the world on fire, and again, I'd rather see Banks as the heel. But Bayley might not be the worst-case scenario. It might not be the worst thing either just because it might be something new for her. And a lot like Sami Zayn, she might hit it out of the park where Sami was like, why would you ever turn this guy heel? He's a perfect baby face. Um, But they turned him heel. He ran with it, and he was a very entertaining heel. Maybe with Bayley, if they switched up her look a little bit, uh, gave her a new theme song, and made her become more intense, it just might work. But you won't know unless you try. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, staying on with, with Raw, you mentioned Roman Reigns he fought twice on raw on monday i know you were very happy to see that right oh of course he had
0: reigns at the start of raw we had roman reigns two roman reigns matches he was uh, all it was all over the it place. was monday night roman on monday night and uh, i loved that it. it was it was a great show
1: great me too uh, I, I mean i, I <laughs> all jokes aside <laughs> i wonder why he was so you know heavily promoted on raw you know the the the, the beginning segment two tag matches his feud with uh, Lashley is still going on now. His, you know, helping out Seth Rollins. Um, uh, trying to find out where to go with this. But um Do you think that again, I don't know when Dean Ambrose is coming back or scheduled or whatever the case may be, but do you think that they're aiming to do a, a, a third well, I would say not third, a second Shield reunion? Uh, when Dean Ambrose comes back, because they, they, they've they been having Seth and, and Roman tagging up a, a, a few times, and uh, do you think they kind of like teasing where when Dean Ambrose comes back, they're gonna reinvent the Shield Part 3 again?
0: I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, I think it would seem to make sense. Rollins and Reigns have been kind of uh, teaming up more often than not in recent weeks and recent months, so it would seem to make sense. The last time we saw Dean Ambrose was with Seth Rollins as his tag team partner, so introducing him back as Rollins, his partner or friend or buddy, whatever, would seem to be the most logical route to take. Um, I would hope that it would not last long. Now, I say that just because, I mean, even the first Shield reunion a few months ago did not last long. It lasted maybe all of two months before they uh, just went their separate ways and Dean Ambrose got hurt and that was it. But this time around, uh, with Roman, I mean, again, it's very likely, very, very probable that he's being set up to face Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Mm. So he'll probably go that route. Um, But maybe it doesn't last. If Ambrose is back later on this month or by around SummerSlam time, my guess is that he'll be back after SummerSlam. Um, But I think Roman's going to be busy in the world title picture, for better or for worse. Rollins should be where Roman, I think, is going to be in the world title picture. That's where Rollins should be right now over Roman Reigns. But I think both guys might be busy because – I'm not sure why else you would take the title off of Seth Rollins when he was doing such a great job with it unless you were priming him for a run or a championship uh, or just to put him in the world title picture anytime soon. So if not, then I'm not sure why they would transition that title off of Seth Rollins and not Adolf Ziggler unless they had other plans for Rollins outside of the Universal Championship, that being a reunion with Dean Ambrose. So I don't know if they'd be put back in the Raw tag team division, which is on ice right now for the most part. The B team versus Woken, Matt Hardy, and, and now an injured Bray Wyatt really is not doing much for me personally. Mm-hmm. So maybe they put them back in that mix. Um, again, though, I think all roads have to lead to Ambrose going heel at some point. I know, obviously, Roman should be the one to go heel. That's not a, that's not going to happen, so we right. should just stop hoping it will or saying that it will. Um, Ambrose coming back as a heel, maybe not right off the bat, but having him come back and uh, get jealous at Seth for having all the success in his absence – I think would be great, and I know we've seen Ambrose and Rollins before, but never with the roles reversed, with Rollins as mm-hmm. the babyface and Ambrose as the heel. And I think that'd be a great way to introduce Ambrose back in a major way. And I think Raw also needs the heels right now. They also need very credible heels because Baron Corbin is not getting the do- he's not getting the job done. He's good, but he's not that good. Uh, Kevin Owens is a fucking joke, being tipped over and porter potties on Raw. Um, Jinder Mahal, was uh, that lasted all of a cup of coffee when they tried to push him against Roman Reigns and no one cared. Now they haven't really featured him on Raw since. And that's that's really about it. Sami Zayn got hurt. They're not going to turn Roman. They're not going to turn Bobby Lashley, though they should. They're not going to turn Bobby Roode. So they might Mm -hmm. as well just bring back Ambrose as a heel and run from there, and hopefully he can be the hot heel that Raw desperately needs right now. Um, But yeah, that's what I see happening. A Shield reunion would not be out of the question, and I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think it'd be pretty cool. Kind of pick up where they left off late last year, but I think it's more likely we see something solely with Ambrose and Rollins as opposed to Reigns being involved, because I assume he'll likely be involved in the Universal Championship picture.
1: Well, you know, just to kind of show you how how fast time goes, it's already been I think last month made four years that Seth turned on Dean and and, and Roman, so it just shows you how fast time is going, Graham.
0: Four years. Yeah, I know. It doesn't feel like four years. It feels no. like just maybe even a month ago. But uh, yeah, no, all three guys, they deserve credit for WWE. That is all three guys especially. But WWE for booking mm. these guys in a way where they split up. They didn't have that triple threat match for another two years after that. They could have easily done it the very next week. But they waited two years to do it. Right. They've reunited. They've all been WWE champion, intercontinental champion, United States champion. They've all held every championship, which is cool. Tag team champion. They're all triple crown Grand Slam champions, which is awesome. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it's great to see You know that people will always react to see these guys back together. Roman does not get very favorable reactions nowadays, but whenever he's with Ambrose or Rollins – it's like he's the most, maybe not the most popular face in the world, but he's much more tolerable, I'll say that much. So WWE deserves credit for keeping these guys apart as well as together for like the perfect amount of time between 2014 and right now.
1: Now you mentioned earlier that, you know, we keep saying the, the world title picture, the, the universal title picture could be between Roman, could be Braun Strowman with the money to bank contract, uh, Seth Rollins. Uh, but the main piece is Brock Lesnar. And uh, a rumor went out, don't know if you saw it, that Brock Lesnar may not even be at SummerSlam defending the Universal title. Um, let's just kind of be, you know, fantasy book this real quick just to have fun. It One, would it shock you that, that Brock Lesnar is not at SummerSlam? Two, um, if he is at SummerSlam, is it is it Roman? Is it Seth? Is it Braun Strowman? Three. Um, what does it mean that any of Van Brock does not defend that title? Or something? What does it mean to that title and to Brock himself?
0: The thing with Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam surprises me that so many people think he won't be there. I know that was the report at one point. Mm -hmm. I read something earlier today that it was a rumor killer saying that Brock will indeed be at SummerSlam in addition to the night after. It's really a case of he said, she said at this point with Brock Lesnar being at SummerSlam. It's like you can't really believe everything that you hear. Mm -hmm. I would be absolutely shocked if he did not appear on their second biggest show of the year. Um, behind Wrestlemania it would seem to make absolutely no sense and if they do have one date left on his contract what are they going to wait until fucking Wrestlemania to bring him back like that makes no sense if he's the current champion Um, so no he's going to wrestle at SummerSlam that's very likely where he'll drop the championship there's really they should have taken the title off of him a year ago if not six months ago but whatever at this point you know better sooner than later uh, with Brock Lesnar relinquishing that title, giving it to even Roman Reigns, like at this point, who cares? We just need to get that belt off of Brock, and there's really no better place for that to happen than at their SummerSlam. You know, their August extravaganza, their second biggest pay per view of the year being SummerSlam. So yeah, he will be at the show. I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean again, I have no inside knowledge, but I would be absolutely shocked if he wasn't there. Now that begs the question: Why would they go back in what they said a few weeks ago and not hold a multi-man main event for Extreme Rules? and erase that fatal five-way or fatal six-way, or whatever, six-pack challenge to determine Brock's next challenger. Now, I assume it's going to be Roman. Maybe they wanted to make it a little less predictable and add more matches to the Extreme Rules card by doing Corbin and Balor one-on-one and Roman and Bobby one-on-one and Strowman and Owens one-on-one. I'm not sure, um, but it is. It, 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 would seem to, it would seem to suggest that even they have no clue what they're doing right now and even they don't know where they're going. The only real loose blueprint is Roman taking that title off of Brock Lesnar. And it should be Rollins, obviously. But, I mean, it would be cool if they got rid of that Fatal 5 way or erased that multi-man match for the next upcoming Mm pay-per-view. Because they knew that Rollins wouldn't be in the match because he's facing Ziggler. Now, again, he faced Ziggler a few weeks ago on Raw. They could have blown the feud off there, but it is cool. They're doing the 30-minute Iron Man match. That should be an awesome match yeah. between Ziggler and Rollins for the IC title at that pay-per-view. Um, it fits both guys, obviously, very, very well, so the match should be tremendous. That being said, um, I'm assu- th- again, this is purely something I just want to see. This is purely uh, fantasy booking, and not really what I think will happen, but – because they knew that Rollins wouldn't be a part of that main event. They didn't want to do it at that pay-per-view because they wanted Rollins to go for the belt at SummerSlam. Again, I don't expect that to happen because I expect it to be Roman and Lesnar one-on-one at the pay-per-view. Mm. We'll see. Um, but I'm, I'm not really sure where they're going with this other than the fact that Brock will 95% – I'm 95% positive that he will be at SummerSlam this year, no doubt about it.
1: And if, if he is at SummerSlam and if he walks away as champion – how, again, I I don't know if you if you'll be at SummerSlam, but let's say hypothetically you're in the, you're you're at Barclays, Brock Lesnar main event, and he walks away still a champion. How how upset would you be, Graham?
0: I don't know if I would be upset as much as I would be disappointed. disappointed. Yeah, exactly. Um, just because again, where else do you go mm. with Brock Lesnar as champion? They should have realized that after WrestleMania because they're really just delaying the inevitable here. Really having him hold on to that championship has done no one any good. It's made worse, it's made Raw worse off for not having a world champion for really nothing to fight for. We know Roman's going to take the belt. So why not just do it at WrestleMania? What's the whole point of the redemption story they're telling right now? Because the only real reason I can think of why they didn't do the championship title change at WrestleMania and they're waiting until SummerSlam or a pay-per-view around there is because they felt Roman wasn't ready like reaction-wise. But having him beat Samoa Joe, Jinder, and very likely Bobby Lashley is not going to solve that. It's not going to change anything. If anything, the reaction is going to be worse because they're going to be in Barclays Center. It's going to be a much smaller arena than the Superdome at WrestleMania. And he's going to get booed even louder than he would have been at WrestleMania when he won the championship. So I think it's a mistake, but it is what it is. But um, yeah, Brock Lesnar's champion really just in general really hasn't done anyone any favors. If anything, it's really hurt people like Samoa Joe and Brock or Braun Strowman when mm. they could have held the championship about a year ago, but they were just fed to Brock Lesnar because that was the, uh, the story at the time. But yeah, at this point, they got to take that title off him as soon as possible because by this point, it serves no purpose, hmm. and they should have just done it at WrestleMania and gotten it over with.
1: Well, before we get to SummerSlam, we do have Extreme Rules, uh, I think next weekend next sunday uh we got nine matches on the card for now don't know what else they're gonna put on but i know we'll do the preview next week but just kind of update people we have alexa bliss versus night jacks for the raw women's title aj styles versus rusev for the wwe championship matt hardy and bray Wyatt against the B team for the raw tag titles carmella oscar smackdown women's title The Bludgeon Brothers against Team Hell No for the SmackDown Tag Titles. Dolph Ziggler, Seth Rollins, 30-minute Iron Man match for the Intercontinental Title. Roman Reigns against Bobby Lashley, Finn Balor, Baron Corbin, and Jeff Hardy, and Nakamura for the U.S. Title. I mean, it's amazing how Nakamura was going for the world title for four straight months, four straight pay-per-views, and now he's for the U.S. Title fucking yeah right (laughs) how the mighty have fallen (laughs) i i mean hey you know he got bit by a dog last week and it just it just just hasn't been his time right now so just just a little weird um that now he's for he's fighting for the u.s title but now rusev is going for the world title which i'm happy because rusev doesn't get that many championship opportunities so i think that that's pretty cool but um that is extreme rules as of now nine matches um Any matches on the car aside from Dolph and Seth, as you mentioned, are are there any matches you're looking forward to because you're not sure of the outcome or you're trying to see how it plays out, not only for Extreme Rules, but maybe it can lead into SummerSlam? Not
0: really. Um, (laughs) As of right now, not really. I mean, that's really just my thoughts on WWE TV in general right now. The team hell those stuff is fun. I just hope it's not... Um, going to last longer than it should just because Daniel Bryan should be facing the likes of Joe right now or Samoa Joe, The Miz, Nakamura, Rusev even, Andrade Sinalamus. Like, what are they doing with that guy? Nothing. So they, I would rather see Bryan feeding with those people, who are, none of which are on the show, by the way. Andrade, Joe, Miz, top uh, – You know, three of SmackDown's top heels, not even on the pay per view. Nakamura and Hardy, I mean, you mentioned it. I'm looking forward to that match just because I think they can work well together. They had a TV match on SmackDown a few weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and it was pretty entertaining. Um, I could see Nakamura taking that title as a bit of a rebound victory after losing to AJ multiple times. So I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, like you said, Ziggler and Rollins from an in rank standpoint. Um, Bobby and Roman, maybe. I think it could be a better match than what we saw. Uh, from gender and Roman and Money in the Bank, but I'm not sure if it would get a better reaction um, just because people don't really care more, much more about Bobby than they do Roman Reigns right now. Um, I, I don't know. AJ and Rusev I'm looking forward to just because we haven't seen that match too much over the years, mm-hmm. and it's cool to see Rusev in the world title picture. I, I doubt he would win unless it's just to shock us all because I doubt AJ's dropping the belt to him. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. But <clears throat> the whole thing with the pay-per-view... Is that why would you even bother having a show called Extreme Rules if most of the matches aren't Extreme Rules? Exactly. I think of the matches you mentioned, we have um, we have what what was it? Um, the women's title match, which is Extreme Rules between Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax, okay. and then you have the Iron Man match. Beyond that, is anything on that pay-per-view Extreme Rules? Not Team Hell No and Bludgeon Brothers, not Roman and Bobby, not Hardy Nakamura. Not Carmella and Asuka, which should be. It should be a steel cage. And maybe they'll add stipulations the week before the pay-per-view. But how the fuck do you have an extreme rules pay-per-view where only two matches have stipulations? More matches at WrestleMania the last two years have had stipulations mm-hmm. than extreme rules. It might as well just be called WWE standard rules, just for the fact <laughs> that it's not a it's not an extreme pay-per-view at all. Someone was asking me, should they get rid of the pay-per-view because it's not, you know, it's PG nowadays and they can't really they go to the lengths that they would have hoped for back 10 years ago or even an ECW, whatever. It's not even the fact that it's PG because they've done Extreme Rules pay-per-views before dating back five, six, seven years ago where they had a lot of stipulation matches on the show. And if you don't want to fucking do that, if you don't want to have a pay-per-view where you do a stipulation match in every, have a stipulation in every match because the feuds aren't ready for that yet then you don't have an Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Like, I don't know what to tell you. So I hope this is another one of those shows where it just dies to death, they get rid of it, they repackage it. But then again, I said the same thing about Hell in the Cell five years ago, and it's still here every single fucking year. So um, Extreme Rules is even worse <clears throat> because the whole purpose behind the pay-per-view was that every match on the show was supposed to have some sort of stipulation, and that hasn't been the case in at least five years. So that's what kind of pisses me off. But on the whole, the show could be... Uh, it, it, it could be good if, if booked correctly, but I'm more excited for Summerslam than I'm Extreme Rules currently.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know I agree with you know why have a, a pay per view called Extreme Rules and you only have one Extreme Rules match and that's really it. There's no tables match, there's no ladder match. At least a fucking ladder match could be you know for um, at least for the, for the the tag titles. Or something. I, I, I like the I love the Iron Man match. I, I'm cool with that. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to go back real quick to, you know, how I like to do. And, 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 and this is why I say gimmick matches or gimmick pay per views don't really work for me. I've always said that with TLC, money to bang, hell to sell. And now you can add extreme rules. I'm not, I'm not saying every match has to be a stipulation, but if you have nine matches right now, you gotta give me at least four or five where it's like a last man standing match, a table match, a ladder match, a TLC match. Give me some of that because I'm looking back to where they had the the TLC pay per view uh, back in October. And again, remember TLC is the pay per view, right? So. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think they had because in years past they'll do like one TLC match, but they'll also do one chairs match, one ladder match, one tables match. I don't think they did that last year. I think they just had that one TLC main event and that was it.
1: We had to. And again, if
0: you don't want to, if you don't want to do a pay per view where you have a ladder match, a tables match, and a chairs match because it's too much, then don't have the fucking pay per view. Like I don't understand like what the whole concept. I don't understand what the whole problem is here with WWE and these shows. Like, if you didn't want to have an Extreme Rules pay per view. Right before SummerSlam, because really, the whole show... I mean, like you said, am I excited to see like how it sets up SummerSlam? Right. That's really what the show is. To set up SummerSlam, it's a filler show. It's really not even all that necessary. I know they just did two ladder matches last month of Money in the Bank, so maybe they, they don't want to do that. Mm. But then again, why the fuck would you do an Extreme Rules pay-per-view the month after Money in the Bank? The whole reason why they had Extreme Rules in the first place, they had it right after WrestleMania a few mm. years ago. It made sense, because you could do rematches from WrestleMania, this time with stipulations. Nowadays... Or at this point in time, in the middle of July, you don't have many feuds to be blown off. You just have fresh matches or matches that are just there to kill time before SummerSlam. So the whole timing of of an Extreme Rules pay-per-view makes absolutely no sense. I'd rather have Battleground, which sucked. Battleground was an awful concept. It really wasn't a concept, but the show really was not that good from year to year for the most part. Last year's show was atrocious. It was one of the worst pay-per-views I've ever seen in WWE. But at least that show didn't have... Wasn't you know basically promising you stipulation matches in every single part of the car? This one is, but they're not delivering. When you have nine matches and only two of them have stipulations, that's really fucking bad. Just call it, you know, again, battleground, call it standard rules, Basic call rules. it anything else but fucking extreme rules. Call it judgment day for God's sakes. I don't yeah, care. I call that. it anything else. Bring back King of the Rings something. Yeah. To fill the time better than this, because this makes absolutely no sense.
1: And even even back in September for TOC, they only had one TOC match, the main event. It was the five on three handicap yeah, match. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, I mean. Stupid. And now, again, coming up after SummerSlam, the first pay per view after that, fucking hell in the cell. Like, what? Oh my God. Like, the timing of these shows is just atrocious. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what we're going to see at SummerSlam yet, obviously, mm. but it's like. <sighs> I don't know. I don't understand why they do what they do, but that's always really been the case obviously. But just with stuff like this, mm. the I'm I'm not opposed to one pay-per-view a month, but with shit like this, it's like it makes no sense because they just they can't be doing stipulation matches right before SummerSlam, then why have the pay-per-view? It just it makes no sense. So, hell in the I cell mean, is even worse. The it, TLC, they they fucked that up years ago, so mm. I'm I'm trying I'm done trying to figure it out with these
1: people. Yeah, you, you sound very upset, Graham. First of, always, of all, <laughs> always. it's amazing how they have extreme rules, pay per view, two stipulations, but then, like, I think a year ago, we were complaining about. And I complained. We we're kind of like, eh, that, that's overkill. They had a fucking Hell in the Cell pay per view, and they had three Hell in the Cell matches, and two of them didn't really deserve to be in the Hell in the Cell. They, they just happened to be kind of blowing off the feud. Not Not last year, the one where. They had Roman Rusev, and I think they had yeah. the New Day and Uso, and then the main event. I think I think it was Seth and Dean. I could be wrong. It was Seth and It was Seth and Kevin because I went to that
0: show. It was in Seth Boston, Kevin, honestly. Okay. And I've been to a handful of pay per views over the years. That was easily the weakest pay per view I've ever been to. I don't remember anything from that show, and what I do remember was not that good. And some matches mm. were good, but even. Even Sasha and Charlotte, the first ever women's Hell in the Cell match, they right. deserved to be inside the cell. That was nice. The match, though, was not that good, really, at all. It was one of their weakest <laughs> matches. So, yeah, that, that show is better off forgotten.
1: <sighs> well, you know, Extreme Rules next week. Uh, we'll see how that pans out, see if they add any more matches. Um, and not on the card, Elias, Braun Strowman, Kevin Owens. I know it, it's a co-branded show, but three guys that you would think would be on the card, but there's no room for it. Does Braun and Kevin Owens get their match on on Extreme Rules, or do you think they just kind of get forgotten here?
0: Yeah, Braun and Kevin will be on the show, no doubt. I mean, they just wanted to book their match in the main event of Raw this week with Kevin running away, probably setting up what has been rumored to be a steel cage match at the pay-per-view. Finally, a stipulation match that we can care about. I mean, the Iron Man thing is cool, too, but it's like we need more stipulation matches on this pay-per-view. Um, but yeah, that's definitely being added. They're not going to a show without Braun Strowman. Elias won't be on the show unless he's facing like Zack Ryder in the kickoff. And the thing that sucks about that is that he, the guy's coming off the best match of his career in NXT or on the main roster is Elias. When he had that great match with Seth Rollins, and now they have nothing for him. It just blows my mind. They really just do feeds for a month, and then they move on. Um, like with Jinder, Jinder in a good way, with Jinder and Roman, that lasted for a mo- about a month. They were pushing Jinder again for about a month. He loses, and then he's not on Raw or even on TV really at all anymore. Um, then he won't be at the pay-per-view this or next Sunday. So, I mean, I don't really care as much about that because I don't give a shit about Jinder Mahal. Mm. But with Elias, it sucks because the guy had a lot of momentum coming off that championship clash with Rollins. He loses, looks very good in defeat. And then we don't see him anymore. So again, that's that's the issue with the WWE booking nowadays. They'll get someone really, really hot, they'll lose. Like with Rusev, I have no doubt that they'll have him get all this momentum, he get all these big wins, he'll face AJ, have a great showing, lose. He won't even be at SummerSlam. So that's just the way they do things, but it's you know, and it's and it's really, really annoying, but you should probably come to expect it, unfortunately.
1: Anything else on Raw or SmackDown that's worth noting, Graham.
0: Uh, not really. Like I said, I thought SmackDown was a lot more tolerable than Raw this week, which has been the case for a while. Raw's really been abysmal since the superstar shakeup, but, uh, SmackDown had Hardy and Miz for the U.S. title, which was a good match. Sanity bouncing back against the New Day. Uh, pretty good main event with Team Hell now taking on the Uso. SmackDown was by no means must see, but it was a much more entertaining show than, uh, Monday's Raw, I will say that
1: much. Um, all right. And, then, uh, Think last night, as I mentioned, Ronda Rousey, who was on a 30, 30 day suspension from whatever, um, is now in the UFC Hall of Fame. I mean, go back to that the whole uh, suspension ship. She's quote unquote suspended. She's doing live events. I think tomorrow. I I could, correct me if I'm wrong. I got to find out. But tomorrow here in New York at the Garden, she's supposed to be fighting. I, I, she gonna, is. I, yep. So I think mean. So. It, Grant, if you are suspended from somewhere, uh, <laughs> if, you're suspended, so from, dumb, if yeah. you're suspended from your job, right for for a month, thirty days, whatever, you're not you're not supposed to fucking come back <laughs> until after mm-hmm. that time. But again, what, if she's suspended from Monday Night Raw? But she can do live that's events? That's what they're saying.
0: Like, that's, that's the buzzword, that, that she's suspended from Raw, Oh man! but she can still make appearances. The live event stuff I can get, because they can always explain that away by saying that she had contractual obligations mm. um, with the house shows. I get that. What bothers me about this is that they're fucking advertising her for extreme rules. So she's banned from Raw, but she's not banned from the pay-per-views. Oh, she bought a ticket. That makes absolutely no sense. She's going to buy a ticket. I'm sorry, but that is so fucking stupid. It's like, what? They flat out said that she will be at the show. Not even teasing that she'll try to crash the show. No. They literally flat out said on Monday's Raw that she will be at Extreme Rules in the front row for Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss. It's like getting banned from your job, but the... The loophole is that you're banned from whatever department that you work in, but you can still show up at the building and do anything else you want, but you just, you just can't work. Like what? Exactly. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So yeah, that's another thing that's bothering me right now in WWE. It's crazy.
1: It's like, you know, I work on the fourth floor, but I can still go on the fifth floor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. It's like, what? You can still go up at the building and go on any other floor, but not on the floor you work at and still get paid. Like what is going on right now? It's so mm-hmm. stupid. I like I mean, then don't even suspend her in the first place, or put her in the fucking match and do a three-way with Rousey, Jackson and Bliss. Mm-hmm. That's what I was hoping for, but they don't want—they don't want Rousey to lose. So I get it, but I, I don't know. They're trying. You can't have it both ways. You either mm-hmm. take her off TV or you keep her on TV and put her on the pay-per-view as like a special guest ref, or put her in the match or whatever. You don't just suspend her and then bring her back anyway. It just, it's just—it's ridiculous.
1: I I get it. I mean, she's gonna buy a ticket. You know, she ain't buying it. They, they're gonna give her a fucking ticket, and she's gonna sit yeah. front row, and we'll see what happens during that match. Does she get involved physically? But then again, hey, you know, uh, I I think the road if 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 she's not at SummerSlam for whatever reason, which I doubt. I think she I think she will be fighting for the for the title. Um, I think that's the route. I mean, do you think they go one-on-one? Do, do, do they make it a three-way with Nia, Alexa, and, and Rousey uh, at SummerSlam? Or do you, think, do, do you think they keep it Alexa and and, and Rousey?
0: No, uh, it could be a three-way. I would have just done the three-way with this pay-per-view because Bliss, if she's going to drop the belt, she might as well just drop it to Rousey in a one-on-one match. Jax has got to be done. The whole Jax-Bliss shit has got to be over with. We've been, we've been stuck with this garbage for like three, four months now. It was fine at first. The matches didn't light the world on fire. They really were not that good at all. Um, They had the smoke and mirrors in their upcoming match because it is Extreme Rules. So maybe that will make it more entertaining. Um, But beyond that, I I can't say I'm too excited for more of Bliss and Jax. And it's got to end on Sunday. If Jax loses, and she will, it's got to be – she's got to be out of the title picture because she has no reason to go for the belt again at SummerSlam. Um, And then I would just do Rousey and Bliss. And you can do a fuck finish on that show to delay the Rousey title win. Um, and I understand that people will be mad, but if they want to have Bliss win by countout or whatever, you know what? I'm okay with that. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. If you want to prolong the feud. But if they were going to do the three-way, it might as well have been on this show because you can't do it again. I mean, they, they could and they probably will. You can have Bliss pin and not Rousey. Um, but I think having Rousey win by countout or disqualification, if not just flat out win the championship, would be a lot better than a three-way because I, I, at SummerSlam, that's not a marquee match. The real marquee match would be Bliss and Rousey one-on-one, not a three-way with Nia Jax.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out where if they do a three-way, one, I don't think they they make Alexa win the money the bank, cash in, and then lose the belt two months later. I, I don't think they'll make her lose that quick, but you never know. And I think Nia Jax being in the triple threat that somebody has to take the fall and we're not going to see you run the rounds, you tap out or, or get pinned anytime soon. So Nia Jax could be the one taking the fall Nia Jax could be the one making the pin. You never know uh, if they do a three way at SummerSlam, but if they go strictly one-on-one, uh, not saying she's not good, but I think run the can can hold her own one-on-one in the ring as she did with, with, with Nia Jax. But just, kind of saying like you know maybe kind of protecting her still a little bit more and putting her in a three-way would be the best way to go it it, it it don't matter to me it could be one-on-one it could be a triple threat just just don't give me no fucking eight-man tag don't give me no six-man tag just just do a one-on-one a triple threat uh but i think it'd be interesting to see what they have her do at at uh, extreme rules being in the front row because we all seen what they what they made John Cena do in the fucking front row at WrestleMania and you know it just that ain't, we saw him run out the ramp, run to the ramp and mm-hmm. all kind of weird shit but hopefully <laughs> um hopefully we, we don't see Rousey run up the ramp at Extreme Rules I hope not but you never
0: know I mean again they had Rousey do this they they did this great angle a few weeks ago where they had Rousey go berserk on Angle yeah. and Bliss Attacked the living shit out of him. It was like a great angle. People were buzzing. The Rousey was, you know, she's had momentum. She's all, she's over, obviously. But that was the hottest that she's been since she came to the company. And then she's gone, which is fine. But now they're doing this dumb shit where she's suspended, but she's not suspended. And she might do this some other dumb stuff a la Cena at WrestleMania. But then again, again, it should come as no surprise after what they did with Bailey and Banks, as we discussed earlier, you do this hot angle, and then the follow-up is flat as hell. So, I mean, that's that's WWE's, uh, I mean, that's what they tend to do, you know, on a regular basis. And it wouldn't surprise me if they did the same exact thing with Ronda Rousey come Extreme Rules and then SummerSlam.
1: I mean, listen, Graham, that, you know, her and Alexa could have been a fucking tables match.
0: It very well could have been, been, and it could have been uh, could have been perfect. I mean, yeah. why not just do a tables match? I mean, it, I would I would laugh if we get more stipulations at SummerSlam than we will at Extreme Rules. I think that'd be pretty comical. But yeah, uh, yeah and I, they should have just done a tables match with ne- with Jackson Bliss because I think it would have made more sense. Bliss has experience in the stipulation too, and then she faced Becky in that same match a few years ago. And then uh, you could have saved the Extreme Rules stipulation for like AJ and Rusev or whatever. But yeah, the whole thing is ass backwards, like we talked about earlier.
1: So you're not going to the Garden tomorrow, right? I am not. There's
0: actually a house show on Sunday here in Connecticut. So if anything, I would go to that. Mm. Um, Someone did tell me, though, that I think the lineup for this coming weekend's uh, house shows for Raw – because it's all Raw, I think. There might be smacked on people. There might be smacked on live superstars on the MSG show. But from what I understand, I think they're largely doing the same matches that we saw at Money in the Bank, and I was just at that pay-per-view. Right. So it would be just a worse version of that show. Like, I have no desire to see Roman and Jinder one-on-one at at the Garden or on Sunday. I might go on Sunday. I won't be working that day. I have a rare Sunday off. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking I might go. But then again, Raw is so fucking abysmal right now. I'd rather go to a SmackDown house show than Raw at the moment. Um, there's a chance, but yeah, I know I won't be there tomorrow though.
1: Well, you know, if you're at work, just try not to get su- suspended for thirty days. Yeah,
0: exactly. Or I could just show up, you know, somewhere. I could still show up at work. I just I'll, I'll still get paid. Just yeah, exactly. can't go to where I usually work. That's the only thing. You know, that's the only caveat.
1: Um, before we wrap it up uh, today, July sixth makes twenty years, Graham. Goldberg defeated Hollywood Hogan on Monday Nitro for the WCW world title at the Georgia Dome, which is not there no more, um, in Atlanta, Um, over 40,000 people in the Georgia Dome, plethora of people watching at home, 1998, July 6th, Um, I think it, you know... It was Again, everybody would say it was a match that should have been on pay-per-view. It would have made more money. I get all that. But at the time, Graham, fast uh, rewinding, 98, I'm about 15, 16 years old. So I'm kind of showing my age here. But at the time, you're watching it. You're like, holy shit, Goldberg, Hogan, world title, main event. Um, It definitely made me not click to Raw for that night. I, I don't even know what happened on Raw on that Monday, but... I thought it was a. Uh, I, I wouldn't say a great match. I think it was a great moment, just the aura, that the hype, the atmosphere. Um, but if, if you want to call it a great match because of the overall hype, then I'm cool with that. You know what? I might lean towards that anyway because Goldberg was, aside from Stone Cold, the hottest wrestler on the planet. Uh, a lot of steam. He won the U.S. title earlier. I think he. I think he was still U.S. title champion. Um, at that time, then he won the belt from Hogan. Um, big NWO feud going back and forth. Jackhammer pin him, New World Champion. Crowd goes crazy. Big rating for that Monday night. Should have been. Should should it have been on a pay per view? I mean, listen, man. You can argue about that twenty years later. It might have been. You could have had it at a Bash at the Beach. Could have had it fucking Road Wild. Whatever it was. But for that for that particular night. And people say Bischoff wanted ratings. He wanted a big pop. But for that, I I push that to the side and say the moment outweighs uh, it being a a big money grab um, because of the time and the era that we were in back in wrestling back in that day. One of the greatest moments in WCW history, One, if not the biggest moment in the history of Bill Goldberg, one of the biggest moments in wrestling history. And for those who haven't seen it, it's on the network, YouTube, whatever, Goldberg, Hogan, 98, Nitro. Um, I'm pretty sure you've seen it multiple times. Um, What do you make of the Goldberg-Hogan, Hollywood-Hogan match, Nitro, 20 years ago today? Yeah, it's crazy because you
0: don't really hear people talk about all these years later about, "Oh, how it should have been on pay-per-view." I mean, you'll get the occasional like wrestling expert talk about that or like the person behind the scenes at the time talking about why it should have been safe for pay-per-view because that really was what WCW did almost all the time back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, to pop a big rating, was do big matches on TV and then their pay-per-view business just fucking sank. Um, it just stunk out the joint. But uh, yeah, no, doing the big matches on TV for a time was a smart idea before they realized that pay-per-view was important too. But yeah, 20 years later, people don't talk about just the fact that, oh, well, you know, it should have been on pay-per-view. People don't really discuss that at all. Like you said, Randy, people more so discuss the fact, really the impact of that moment, how it kind of not changed the wrestling forever, um, but what it did for Goldberg really launched him into superstardom. The win over Hollywood Hulk Hogan, the reaction in Atlanta that night, just the crowd going crazy, how rare it was to see a world title change hands on free television. Um, it was really, really cool. It was the right place, the right time. And hell, if they did save him for pay-per-view, would it have had the same impact as it did in the Georgia Dome that same night? Like, that's my question. I don't think it would have. I think that it was perfect right when they did it. And um, again, it really just goes back to striking while the iron is hot. And Goldberg was one of the hottest stars going in wrestling at that point. If they waited any longer to put the championship on him, did it any sooner, or didn't do it the way they did, Goldberg may not be remembered in the same light that he is from back in uh, the Attitude Era days of WCW. So um, I think it's an amazing moment. Definitely one of the highlights of WCW at that point because there aren't many, let's be honest. Um, But, you know, for all the talk about WCW not being able to make a star and, um, you know, not. You know, starting from scratch with some people. They have Diamond Dallas Page. They had a few others. Without taking from WWE, um, they made a star in Goldberg that night when he won the WCW World Championship.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, you know to their credit at the time, it was something that fans looked forward to aside from the NWO. Because, like you mentioned, when WCW had something hot, they ran it to the ground. And NWO was high for, for for a minute. And then when you add twenty four members, it begins to be it, it, it tends to be watered down. So mm-hmm. at the time you had NWO going, you had the, the, the Crows thing going, uh, Bill Goldberg, up and rising um star. And it was just something else for for WCW fans to look forward to: Diamond Dallas Page, Booker T's of the world, Jericho, Eddie Guerrero, Malenko—all they still there. Ric Flair, but Goldberg, aside from Stone Cold, was the hottest act in wrestling. And it's, it's funny how Stone Cold Stone Cold won the belt a few months before that at WrestleMania 14. So now Goldberg gets the world champion on on their side. So you, you kind of had Stone Cold on one side and Stone Cold alike on the other side with with, with the world title. Uh, again, very rare to see Hulk Hogan lose clean in the ring. I think that, 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 that's very rare. During that time, when he was a bad guy. He did kind of lose a lot. But still, Hogan getting pinned one, two, three without any shenanigans, without getting hit or whatever, uh, was very different and cool to see. And, and the story goes that Hogan wanted the, the, the comeback later on that hey if, if I do the job for Goldberg when that time comes I want Goldberg to to, to do to do to do the job for me mm-hmm. that never happened and then we see Goldberg lose the belt to Kevin Nash at uh, Starcade with that whole smosh finish but I think for that time that moment still to this day Grant 20 years ago people still talk about it I think that's honestly Goldberg's biggest um accolade in wrestling aside from Hall of Fame and uh, being a world champion, but I mean just seeing it live, you know, TNT back in the day, again, I don't know what the fuck happened on Raw that night. I couldn't even care. But just seeing the title change and that, that amount of crowd, forty thousand people grand for a Monday like a raw a nitro mm-hmm. is just insane. Again, pay per view, more money, more money at the gate, more more buy rates. I get that, but at the time, it, it was it was the Monday Night War, and to to be relevant every single week and do something brand new, you can't fault Eric Bischoff for doing it because that's something you had to do to keep people from changing the channel. And for that night, they had me on, on Nitro the whole night.
0: Yeah, and you said forty thousand for a for a Nitro taping. That's insane Crazy. by today's standards. You can't even get forty thousand people for a fucking. Pay-per-view, let alone for an episode of Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, you know? Um, So it's pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah, 20 years later, I mean, you can argue that Goldberg peaked at that point, that it was a great moment in the moment. And it still is 20 years later, obviously. But booking-wise, that in the moment, it was amazing. Long-term, it made Goldberg, like I said – But there really was nowhere for the character to go from there. They kind of painted themselves into a corner with Goldberg um, where he was undefeated. He was the world champion and United States champion simultaneously. What more can you do with a guy that peaked kind of early on in his career? Like he's already beaten everybody. He just beat fucking Hulk Hogan. Who else can he beat that will be a bigger deal than this on an episode of Nitro? So, I mean, the follow-up could have been better. They could have booked him to be a stronger world champion than they did. But then he obviously, like you said, they went on to have him drop the world title to Kevin Nash in pretty lackluster fashion. Mm-hmm. He went heel. The remainder of his WCW run was pretty was pretty abysmal, to say the least. Yeah. And his popularity kind of peaked here because once you have a great moment like this, really where's the interest. I mean, they, they pop a big rating. They get this amazing attendance record for this episode of Nitro. Now you've seen him do it all. What more is there for him to do? That was kind of the issue they ran into the Goldberg character with. Um, after they had him lose and then drop the championship. And, I mean, again, they could have done the follow-up better with him as a heel and with him, I mean, again, kind of working his way back up the ladder, but they kind of lost interest and moved on. Um, But, yeah, as a moment, though, this will never be forgotten for sure.
1: And before we wrap it up, Graham, also on July 6th, but 1997, we had In Your House Canadian Stampede. A lot of people regard this as one of, if not... The greatest in-your-house pay-per-view of all time. Um, again, back in the day, in-your-house, two hours long. So we're not getting three or four or five-hour pay-per-view back in the day. So officially, it was only four matches. They had one on their pre-show back in that time, which I'm not not even going to bring up. So only four matches for a fucking pay-per-view. But here we go. Triple H and... Uh, uh, versus Mankind ended, ended in a double count out classic um, the great Sasuke defeated mishinoku okay and uh, <laughs> the Undertaker defeated Vader um, for the WWF championship Taker was champion at this time and then of course the main event we had the Heart Foundation, Brett, Brian Pillman the British Bulldog, Jim Neidhart, Owen Hart defeated Ken Shamrock, Goldust the Legion of Doom and Stone Cold Steve Austin in a 10-man ten, ten man tag match that lasted almost 25 minutes. So <clears throat> most would say they remember the, the main event, the tag match. Um, they regard this tag match as one of the all-time main events um, for In Your House. I thought it was great. Now, looking back at that card on Wikipedia now, is it one of the greatest In Your House of all time? I, I really don't know, just with four matches. I would have to see the whole thing in its entirety, but I know that main event really anchors the show. So again, 21 years ago today, Canadian Stampede. Have you seen the show? I'm pretty sure. We, I'm pretty sure you did. I know we spoke about it last year. Uh, and how do you regard the overall show? And how do you regard the main event?
0: Yeah, I think we have discussed this before, but I will repeat myself, and I hate to say this again, but uh, not only is it one of the greatest in-your-house shows of all time, in my opinion, mm. it is the greatest in-your-house pay-per-view they ever did. Now, okay. they did a lot of those ones. They did a lot of the in-your-house shows, and a lot of them had like one very, very good match, <clears throat> and then some good undercard matches, or like one really, really memorable match, like Mind Games with Mankind and, and Shawn Michaels for the WWE Championship. Great match. The rest of the show— was solid. It wasn't great, but the main event was amazing. Every other match in that show was by no means as not nearly as memorable. This show, kind of the same thing. I mean, no one's talking about the great Suzuki versus you know, whatever, whether the cruiserweight match. Takamichi Nakou. Um, obviously, <laughs> like you just said, um, for the cruiser for the light heavyweight championship. Years later, I did watch the show back in its entirety about a year and a half ago to review it. I loved it. The, the fucking show. Not just looking at the results. But you have to like watch back the entire show from start to finish, feel the atmosphere, because they're in Canada. Obviously, Canadian Stampede, they're in Canada. The main event is one of the best main events in WWE pay-per-view history. Mm-hmm. The crowd reaction to the entrances alone was unfucking real and the match itself was amazing. Stone Cold was at his peak here. On um, The Heart Foundation was so over, as you can imagine. The main event was outstanding. The, outmo- the atmosphere really made the match, but the match itself was great, too. And the rest of the show was perfect. It was like a takeover. It was literally like a takeover in 1997. It was like two mm. hours long, I think. It was not long at all, right. but didn't overstay its welcome. The main event was off-the-charts awesome. You had the uh, light heavyweight championship match. And they did a lot of those back then. A lot of those matches no one really cared about because they didn't know the people. But these two, and Takumi Nakao, had been around for a while. But this match was so good, it got people to care. And the crowd reaction was great. It was one of the best light heavyweight championship matches that company ever did. You had Vader and Undertaker. Um, for the championship, again, a great match. On paper, you wouldn't think so, but it was exactly what it needed to be. Reminded me a lot of Brock Lesnar and Goldberg from WrestleMania, where on paper, it's like, who gives a shit about this? This might be really, really boring. But for like as long as it lasted, it was perfect. Beyond perfect, and then you have one of the best openers in pay per view history, in my opinion, with Triple H and Mankind, two future stars, two future former or two future world champions.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, they had a great match as well. They had another steel cage match at SummerSlam, I think, the following month. But they had a great feud in the summer of '97 that really helped put both guys on the map. Um, Both guys, both Mankind and Triple H, who was not Triple H yet, but you know what I mean. Um, the, The match was great too. So, again, the whole show was awesome. There really is not one thing wrong with the show. I mean, there. it's hard to say that when you have you know a four-match card, but the crowd was great. All four matches were awesome. The booking was really well done. And, um, again, for a guy that does not love the attitude there, that being me personally, mm-hmm. I thought this was one of the best pay-per-views the company ever did. And easily, again, in my opinion, the best in-your-house pay-per-view WWE ever produced.
1: And if you wanted to know the pre-show match, it was the Godwins defeated the new (laughs) Blackjacks. That I did not see. That was not in the pay-per-view, thank God, because that probably would have been the drizzling sheds. That was the the, the free-for-all for for those who just, you know, think the pre-shows you see nowadays are brand new. We had the free-for-all back in the day. But I I think uh, for those who haven't seen it, go ahead, check it out. In Your House Canadian Stampede from July 6, 1997. Go ahead and check out Goldberg, Hogan on uh, Nitro from July 6th, 1998. Both are, I would assume, on the network. Uh, Graham, always a pleasure. Uh, Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant and the host of the Rant radio show. Hopefully next week we'll have Mark back uh, to re- uh, preview Extreme Rules. And uh, Graham, always a pleasure, my man.
0: Appreciate it, Randy. Having a great time as always. You're talking to you on the show. We'll be back next week with another awesome, uh, awesome episode. So I'll talk to you then, dude.
1: All right, man. Take it easy. All right, adios. All right.